Hey toy family, welcome to the Marsham Toy Hour where we discuss anything and everything designer toys. I'm Gary Ham. I'm Teresa Hawkins. And no George tonight, Teresa. He's uh, taking the night off because we have two awesome guests joining us. And this is, we haven't had guests in a while. And what we decided to do for the remainder of the year, we're going to go guest heavy. How about that? Yeah. And we get, give other people a chance to talk toys with us. So. And not only that, we've decided we're going to go outside our comfort zones. We've been called out that we talk about the same things, only what we collect 10% of the designer toy scene. So for the next two months, no, three months, the end of the year, no, four months. <laughs> <laughs> for the next four months, we're going to do our best to get guests on here that you guys would not expect us to have on. Talk about areas of toys that we are not that familiar with. What do you think we're about gonna that? We're going to try. I think it'll be good. We may be stupid, and I may be like, hey, I don't understand this at all. Please educate me. But yes, we're doing it. Yep. So Let's go ahead and introduce our two guests for tonight. Returning back to the show is Jack Miramatsu of Vinyl Pulse. Welcome back, Jack. Hey, hey, thanks for having me. And you're pretty much just fresh off the plane, aren't you, Jack? You were just in Beijing Toy Show just over the weekend. I was, yeah. and the jet lag is still real. I say, is it good or bad right now? Do you feel really tired or really awake? I feel okay right now, but in the morning when I wake up, I want to go right back to sleep <laughs> <laughs> for a long time. Well, you know what? If you happen to doze off, that's okay because we have a backup plan because we actually have another gentleman joining us tonight, but he lives in Hong Kong, so he's not going to have the jet lag that you do. So joining us along with Jack is... Blair Marshall. He is a longtime listener, first-time caller. He is an importer and distributor and a retailer of some of the finest Japanese and Asian collectibles. He also is a part owner of the store Cory Cory. So, Blair, thanks for coming on. Hello. Thank you for having me. Is it Cory Cory? Am I pronouncing that correctly? Uh, well, this is where uh, Dawn Datadub would, would critique us all, but it's Kore Kore as it's a Japanese pronunciation. So, yes. Wrong again. Get it right, Gary. Say it again. Kore Kore. Kore Kore. Kore Kore. Like you said, we're getting into uncomfortable zones and we're going to learn a lot. <laughs> we're going to start with that one. That was a lot. So I guess first off, let's talk about your experiences out there in Beijing Toy Show, which you guys saw. And then after that, we'll roll into talking and getting to know more about you, Blair, and Corey. Corey, sounds good. So tell us, you guys, you guys, uh, did you guys meet up in Beijing at all? Did you guys hang out, or is this your first time talking to each other? Oh, we hang out a lot. Yeah, oh, we we hang we a lot in China. We were China show. Yeah, we have lunch together. We we have lunch every day in the Chinese show. So. <laughs> In their overwhelming two choices of places to eat at the yes. venue, so wow! So you guys know each other well then? Uh, well. we've yeah gotten to with these uh, Chinese shows, right? So yeah, because we were at um, this is our second BTS together, and also STS yeah. this year. Yeah, so three shows total, I think, something like that. Nice. And Jack, I know there's issues going on with protests and whatnot in Hong Kong. I saw last Friday, actually, there were some issues with the airport. Things are closed down. So did you have any travel difficulties? You're trying to get me censored, aren't you? How so? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I guess are we not allowed to talk about airports? 
you've left now, so it's just yes. me that has to worry, I guess. So. Yes, yeah. I was um, mainly more interested in how the flights were because I had a coworker go out there. And he had to switch airports due to some protests and whatnot. And then on Sunday, he went toy shopping in Hong Kong. And apparently, his toy shopping experience got cut short because a lot of the stores started closing when they saw the protesters coming in. So, yeah, this would be a Blair question. Sundays are typically the worst days. Yeah, I, I live in Hong Kong, so I'm here. Uh, my travel to Beijing was okay. The airport protests were just two days before I left, so I was a little unsure of whether I would actually be able to go or not. Hmm. But uh, the Thursday I went to Beijing was the first day it was fairly back to normal at the airport. Uh, there was some enhanced security. Only passengers are allowed into the terminal. Uh, you have to show a boarding pass just to get into the building currently. Uh, there is no, you know, drop off or pickups at the airport. But other than that, it was pretty smooth sailing for me. I would say it was almost a normal experience. Good. In Hong Kong itself, uh, the weekends tend to be the worst protest, Sunday being the peak. Mm -hmm. uh, so last Sunday, there was a huge protest. It was all peaceful, very large march, somewhere maybe 1.5 million people uh, we're marching cow. in the city. So these these levels of things, it's not so much that it's dangerous. It just kind of grinds the city to a bit of a halt because, you know, roadways get shut down. The trains can't run. Buses can't run. Sure. So it just basically becomes an inconvenience if you're not participating. So, okay. but otherwise, uh, the last after the previous airport incident it has been pretty calm for the last eight, nine days. So uh, there hasn't really been any progress, but there hasn't been anything worse as well. All right. Well, good to hear. Jack, That you didn't um, fly in and out through Hong Kong. You, threw, no, you I flew, flew in and out through Beijing, right? Uh, actually, well, yeah, but I, I actually flew through, I had to stop in Taipei both ways. So LA to Taipei oh. to Beijing and back. Yeah. Okay, so you you did not actually go. No, through. I didn't go through Hong Kong this time. <clears throat> okay. okay, now Jack, last time you were on, you came on and talked about Shanghai Toy Show, which is STS, and this time you went out to Beijing Toy Show. But they're both uh, hosted and sponsored by Pop Mart. How are the two conventions different? So I've been to two STSs, two Shanghai Toy Shows, and two Beijing Toy Shows. This being my second BTS. Um, this year is a, it's really kind of hard to compare because. This year, BTS was not held at its normal venue. It's normally held at the main convention center, kind of in the heart of Beijing. It's where it was last year. Um, it's on the uh, Olympic grounds, the original. Right. Outfit. Right. But this year, it was sort of in, I don't know what the official term for it is. I mean, they call it International Exhibition Center, in parentheses, new venue. It's really like sort of a secondary satellite venue. It's um, in Shenyi, near the airport, so it's very convenient. It's only like 10, 15 minutes from the airport, whereas the other is more like 40, 45 minutes from the airport. Mm. But, um, you know, one consequence of that is they had a smaller exhibition hall, so everything was just a little bit smaller. How much smaller, I don't really know, but it was definitely smaller. There were, it felt like there were fewer exhibitors, and also some of the exhibitors had smaller booths. Now, mind you, these are still like Beijing Toy Show, Shanghai Toy Show style 
impressive booths, but maybe a little bit sm- scaled down. But yeah, that was just my impression. I don't know whether Blair agrees with that or not. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Like say, it's hard to compare. Uh, we should interject that I think the reason they move venues this year is uh, October 1st is National Day in China. Yes. Yes. And this year will be the 70th anniversary of the National Day. So there is uh, a large celebration going to occur, uh, lots of things going on. So uh, I was told that the regulations and rules to hold the event at the normal venue uh, were elevated to a level this year that it was going to be very difficult to maintain the event as it has been, so they made the choice to go to this other venue to have an easier experience. Yeah, that's totally right. Thank you very much for explaining that. Yep. I just jumped in and said, hey, it's in a different place and never said why. <laughs> so, was it a permanent move? I don't think so, but I guess only time will tell, I would say. Yeah. Jack, you went out to BTS to, as a press, you go out there and cover it for your toy blog, Vinyl Pulse. And uh-huh. Blair, what do you go out there for? Do you go out there as mainly a collector or are you going out there as networking and retailer and all that other stuff? Uh, it's it's multiple reasons. I go because it's easy to go because it's, you know, a three hour flight and not too hard to get to. I do go for networking. Uh, one of the things that Corey Corey does is try to bring uh, Asian product into the Western markets, the UK, EU, US. So I'm always there talking to the brands I deal with, looking for new brands, new products. I'm there to uh, see what the trends are, what's popular, what's not popular. And I did bring a little bit of Western product that I piggybacked on to the AdFuncher booth who uh, was hosting me this time. Nice. Okay. You know, when I swing by your booth at uh, Five Points Fest and Designer Con, actually the first time I ever discovered Corey Corey and talked to yourself was, I think, Designer Con 2017. You were actually, I want to say you're probably my first booth. I ran there to get your Popsicle Monster exclusive. Right. Yes. Teresa, what was that other? I don't have it in front of me, so I can't think of the description. Oh. <sighs> might have been the... the... The demo um, world was... exclusive we had then? No, no, no. Um, no? You had a demo world exclusive? <laughs> yes. yes. I had a, it was a run of 20 beach painted uh, demo world exclusive that year. So actually going down in history is probably one of the rarest they've done. So. Oh, man. Oh, God, I'm, yes. in, I'm, I'm pained right now. I'm about to hang up and go cry. <laughs> But what was it that you and I, you and I picked up the exact same thing at the booth? It was the um, the fish with the like the bathing in uh, no, it was pool inner tube around yeah, his yeah. waist. So, oh right, the the chino lamb. Piece. Yes, chino lamb. That's yes. right. Uh, uh, the red you. That's yes. it. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you're right. You actually that was one of the first booths that you went to. Yeah, it you was. ran there messaging me, and I was like, yes, gra-. we were we were both trying to text and figure out yeah. how to help each other and out. I'll never forget. And so I'm at that booth, so much good stuff. I did not have enough cash for it. And Blair right away instantly recognized just the sheer panic on my face <laughs> when he realized I couldn't pay for everything. And he was nice enough to say, if I'll set these behind, I'll, I'll reserve these behind the booth, just promise to come back for them. And I did. And thank you so much, Blair, for doing that for me. Yeah, no problem. 
that that was that was my first U.S. show. That one, Decon 2017. So, oh, okay. really? Yes. You, you moved to Hong Kong in what 2016? Is that when Corey Corey started? Gary, you're jumping a bit. Well, <laughs> back to BTS. Let's, let's turn on the nav system again. Yeah. Well, I do want to come back to this stuff for sure. So, you know, we we've talked a lot about, I think, both STS and BTS and, you know, different news we saw and things that kind of caught our eye as news was flowing in. But I'm kind of curious since you all were were there and strolling through all the aisles and such and we kind of see what bubbles up between you know blogs and artists we follow i want to know you know when you are walking around is because uh, i feel like you know we're, we're all familiar with toys to the point where you know you start to see a lot of similarities between stuff but did you have a oh shit that's really cool that's really new and different moment at bts <laughs> don't everyone talk at once you're talking over i each guess other. that maybe is speaking a bit to the answer perhaps but no, um, nothing, nothing new and crazy i don't think there was anything uh super new i find uh that the chinese crowd kind of is a a bit similar the cute stuff is is very strong and continues on I did find one thing, and I think you posted this, Jack, in your thing that I found quite intriguing and got good response on my Instagram as well, was um, Foxtail, which is something I never saw before. Oh, they yeah, were the, I did post They that. were, again, their, their space theme, which of course is rampant, but they were the animals in more realistic astronaut suits. Yes. And they had a blind box series and some larger figures, right? Uh, I guess so. I only saw the larger figures. I actually didn't see the blind box. I think um, they sold out, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're cool. I know almost nothing about them. Oh, well, I know Yeah, I, was, I wasn't able to find very, very little information as well, so. But that was something different that caught my eye and seemed to be uh, a little bit popular. And we should maybe mention... Uh, Jack took one home. The um, oh, I did. The, yes, the the Mechasol from Adventure and Club Two, which was something quite different, I think, as well. Not so practical, though. Maybe what's this? Yeah, Jack? not which practical at all. <laughs> it's a yeah, it's a twenty five centimeter ball, essentially. Yeah, it's it's like called Mechasol. It's like a basketball. Oh wow! Yeah, it's basically oh, a, smiley a smiley face. Yeah. It's sort of like half smiley face and half like mechanical underpinnings kind of like his soul is mechanical hmm that's huge you yeah. took that home did i did your <laughs> no i put it in my suitcase uh the other thing that blair isn't mentioning is well so one thing it would just be if you know gosh you have this like basketball sized vinyl and take it home but uh, the other thing was at least for the show eddie from adfuncher i guess in a moment of crazy inspiration or, or just nervous breakdown decided that he, he was going to what he was going to do for packaging was he would get these like plastic crates you know the kind that fold down sort of accordion style flat yep. and you can open them up these crates and uh he would get them custom printed with like sort of white crates and they say like mechasol clog two adventure on them so that's the packaging so of course i had to bring that home too Thankfully, the weight allowance was quite a lot on the airline I flew on. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have made it. But, yeah, so that's kind of fun. Of course you had to bring the box. 
I just pictured George driving his car, not having a clue what we're talking about. <laughs> so when I was scrolling through the photos, you know, Blair, you're saying nothing shocks you anymore, but I'm going through it. I don't recognize. I don't recognize most of this stuff, right? Like it's it's definitely leans cute, lots of space themed stuff, but a lot of the stuff I'm just not familiar with. And one of the things, Jack, that I saw you post on Vinyl Pulse today was a new company that I'm not familiar with. So you guys tell me if this is a new company or maybe they've been around around for a while. But Lamb Toys. So Lamb Toys have they been around a while? I'm not sure. Uh, I first ran into or was aware of Lamb Toys this April at Shanghai Toy Show. So Lamb Toys is a Chinese company. They are, as far as I understand it, a co- uh, they have a factory. But like I think is co- becoming increasingly common in China, factories are starting to dabble as brands as well because they see you know that's a potential to maybe make more money than simply just producing toys for people right sure. and so lamb toys is growing considerably at shanghai toy show um they had a pretty nice booth nothing uh, i mean nice by sort of you know american standards or but not like built out like you know like a really showy booth this year they had a much larger booth but they represent a few brands they represent was up family uh, their main toy is Chameleon. That's a Chinese group. They do Chaos Factory, which is another Chinese group. But they, they're starting to expand out. So they also work with Hands in Factory, which is the Korean sort of collective. And they have the Hazard Kids, I think is what it's called, the first miniseries. Hmm. Anyway, so yeah, so if you're familiar with the Korean artists, you might know that. And they're increasing. So they're reaching out and becoming more aggressive. So there's a toy called Truman, T-R-U-M-A-N. It's like this fish, um, kind of in civilian clothes, kind of cool. It's done by this Thai artist whose name is something kind of generic, like Toy Fun or something like that. I'd have to look it up for you. But anyway, I was surprised to see I picked up one of his resin pieces at Thailand Toy Expo in May. And now, you know, just in August, Lamb Toys at their booth is already showing resin protos of the upcoming series with this artist. So Chinese companies are being very aggressive on the blind box front and on signing new artists. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, that whole blind box culture that's going on over there is something to behold because I feel like here in the States, a blind box series is something that you don't tread into lightly. And yet over there, it's it's almost like the go-to format. Their primary mm-hmm. focus is on blind box. You know, one of the things is that, you know, and who's to know for sure, but I think, a re, put, you know, it's pretty clear that blind box is a successful format in China. And so a lot of factories are, that's what they're really focused on. They're paying a lot of attention to. And, you know, what's interesting is that, you know, making blind box, it sounds like, well, okay, so blind box does well, let's do it. But, you know, it's not a cheap proposition, especially when you're talking about the chameleons are one thing because they're kind of like a platform. But a lot of the blind box that you see being made now, each figure is basically a different sculpt, right? Mm-hmm. And you see, you see like typically there's 10 to 12 in a series, and there's a company, and uh, you know, I don't know why I didn't think about this before. They have a fairly to me generic name, starts with the M. I will research it and maybe get back to you. And you can, I don't know, post it on the Facebook group or something. But there was a company that had a booth that was pretty amazing in the sense that 
Um, they had a few blind box series that they were releasing. There was nothing, they were very cute, not surprisingly. There was nothing, you know, terribly outstanding or, you know, stood out to me about them other than the fact that behind the stuff that they were selling, they had rows and rows of prototypes of new blind box series. And we're talking like 12 series. Holy. And they're all, they're all like, you know, for the most part, there were some that were a little same character, just different colors or something. For the most part, they were all unique sculpts, you know, like 10, 12 unique sculpts per thing, uh, per series. And it's like, wow, you guys are making all of this stuff. Okay, yeah. that's insane. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of money is being spent on blind box in China. And people are being very aggressive about finding and signing artists. That's wow. crazy. I think to speak to the, the blind box thing is, is people need to understand the scale of the economy in China. And, you know, in this, in this designer toy scene and world, you know, most of the, the content is still extremely low production, right? So to feed a massive market of people, something like blind boxes is the easiest way to keep that content going yes. and have stock in Yes. hundreds of toy stores around the country right yes. versus you know you know you do a run of even 500 soft vinyl things which is still a quite a large run what is if you have 200 stores you know you get two to three pieces a store that's it right so right that's a really good make, point yeah you have to make tens of thousands maybe even hundreds of thousands of pieces to feed this demand in china so you know blind boxes is is just the easiest way i think for them to go yeah, and they're affordable and they take, you know, less space in people's uh, living areas. And I mean, I think the other thing, you know, that is that Blair said that maybe is worth expanding on a little bit is the whole like 200 stores or 300 stores or whatever it is. Sounds a little ludicrous, but China is a huge market. And and that seems to be the standard go to sort of strategy. If you want to be a retail player, you need to get into the hundreds of stores quickly. That's kind of yeah. expected. Um, so yeah, you know, we talk about runs of like a thousand pieces. That really doesn't help a company like Pop Mart, right? If they want to sell a medium figure, they get like one or two or maybe three a store. It's like, great, thanks, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Does this blind box piece, like does it also flow into the world of Gashapon or is that separate? Or is that also big in China? I don't think there is very much gachapon in China. I think uh, the blind boxes is kind of just superseded. Yeah, okay. that's it. There is some gachapon. Uh, I don't know if there was a this year. Did you see it, Blair? At least at STS this year, there was a gachapon area, right? Where they yes, had... there was one in uh, the back corner by Streams Arts, but it's still it's all it's all the Japanese based stuff that you right. would find elsewhere i don't think any of it is made specifically for the chinese market it's so. just like a special attraction for the show yes yes yeah. you know one thing that i thought i would mention is i think we've talked about this before last time i was on one of the ways that pop mart has used to accelerate their um rollout and deployment of their retail is they've augmented their uh brick and mortar stores of which they have like a hundred ish i think with these robo shops, which are basically these um, vending machines, very similar in concept to, you know, what like Best Buy uses 
for delivering like phones and iPads, mm -hmm. you know, and headphones, um, that kind of technology. But you see them all throughout various parts of China. And I was on the last day I was there, I was using the subway and there was a robo shop at one of these subway stations. And there was like a line of like four or five women standing in line waiting to buy their blind box quite excitedly. So I thought that was kind of interesting that that really is not only do they have these robot shops, but people really are used to walking up to them using their WeChat pay on their phone or whatever to get a blind box. So it's kind of cool to see. It would be Teresa here if we had them. <laughs> yeah, I heard, I heard that little sigh. <laughs> it's so, it's it, so oh, it's just like, oh, man, why can't they have that here? Because, you know, you think about it. If you were to realistically think about having those kind of things here. You know, would they do well? And, you know, obviously I might be a little partial because I'm like, heck, yes, people will be into it. But it would be so cool to see in malls or stores or whatever these different things for people like me. But also I feel like it'd pull other people into the scene because people will see this thing and this machine and be like, oh, what is this? And they go up and, you know, it might have information about the artist and details about the toys and you could preview all the stuff and Suddenly people are like, ooh, it's like crane games at that Kroger were in scratch offs. Like people just get into, ooh, like what's this little machine and, you know, what's in here? Ah, if only. Yeah. I, I, I think it'd be I mean, cool. I think it would be cool too. I'm not sure. You know, the economies are very different. And people's, I think the, right now, I think it does seem like the Chinese consumer is very much aware of these toys, especially the Pop Mart ones. You know, Popmart just recently, I think they're fairly new. They're on their YouTube channel and on their Instagram, too. They have three or four fairly well-produced uh, little commercials. I'm not sure if they're just using them online or what, kind of promoting the excitement of their uh, blind box toys so or surprise box toys. So, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. There's definitely a sense yeah. that people are into it over there, whether that would really translate, I don't really know, but it would be neat to see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good point. I mean, it's two very different worlds, but still yeah. it's like a little pipe dream for me to walk into some place and see a pine box machine It'd be nuts. But the contrast that we're seeing between what we're experiencing here in the stateside versus what's going on in China. You guys are talking about the explosion of the no, the minifigures series and all that stuff. Yeah. But, but in addition to that, I mean, it's just the – where was I going? I had a really good point and I lost it. I hate it when that happens. It's gone. It was oh, no. a good too. I was itching to get in with this. And it's Come on, Gary. Gone. Bring it back. I'm thinking. I was – I just wanted to, to add that one thing I find uh, very cool with the, the machine, the robo shops as well, is that, and I don't know if this is as much a case in the public ones, but they have a few at the shows usually you can buy from as well. And they're configurable. So you actually get full trays on offer cases yeah. of the series from totally. the machine as well. So instead of, you know, you, you can buy your three individuals or you can just buy a whole tray often, which which yeah. I, I think is really cool. Typically on the top shelf, they have the trays yes. and the four cases. Yeah. I've seen those in, I, certainly it's the case that they have it configured that way at the shows, but I'm pretty sure I've seen that at retail too, like just in a mall. They have typically yeah. have a few on the top shelf. So if you want a full case of whatever, whatever it is, like the latest Pucky series, you can, you know, tap some buttons and all of a sudden here it comes. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's yeah. so cool. That is pretty and I don't awesome. Know if 
I don't know if your thought path was around what Jack was saying about the commercials because um, what you were saying about the commercials, just it's so cool to see those. And you're right. They're these well-produced little snippets of showing someone's excitement around finding the hidden figure. Or yeah, like, that one's amazing. Yeah, or like just goofy things about like you choose your toys over your girlfriend or whatever. But, <laughs> yeah. You know. I mean, what you said, Jack, about the fact that, like, these could be TV commercials. Imagine sitting here. They could be. I don't know if they are. Oh, yeah, you don't. We don't know. But, I mean, imagine if you're sitting watching TV and it's suddenly you're seeing a blind box commercial. Like, that just doesn't exist here. No. The, the closest <laughs> no. we get is, like, the Hasbros and the Mattels, you know, kids playing with Nerf guns and Barbies or whatever. But Right. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, they, they really have cultivated a market or increasing that market i think uh for art toys but specifically blind boxes i mean that's really their specialty without a question it's still hard to imagine a culture where this many blind boxes can coexist you know it's just do they all perform well or is just a scenario where their series just selling okay is enough yeah you know, I, I really don't. Yeah, it, it does seem like so. I think there's a couple things. I really have. Obviously, we've seen that many of the Pop Mart series do quite well. Um, as far as you know, this idea that oh, everyone is jumping on blind box. It does seem like that over there. Therefore, it must be doing well. I don't know. I mean, there's a little bit of lag, right, in the market, like where you put something out and maybe it takes a while before maybe they are really doing well. Some of them, and maybe some of them aren't doing as well, and they just haven't quite figured that out yet. I don't know. I, I would be amazed if all of these series, and there's so many coming, um, I would be amazed if they all do extremely well. But the scale is such in their economy that maybe doing just so-so will be okay. I, I really have no idea. Yeah, or they're, they're testing the waters, right? Yeah. I mean, they're, they've got their staple artists and they have the ability to play and try new ones and see if they flourish or if they don't, they move on and try a different one. I mean, it seems like that's kind of how they do. It also seems like the collector base doesn't get fatigued as easily because I think about how many Kenny Wong versions have been made of Molly <laughs> and then now Pucky's following that path. Yeah, And I sure. start, like, I sit over here and I'm just like, I can't keep up. Like, oh my gosh, like... I have the first Pucky series and part of the second and some of the Christmas. So I have of three of the series pieces from them. But I got to a point where I was like, I can't keep up. I got to stop. And she but has at like, least six, I think. It may be I mean, seven. She, and, <laughs> gosh, I don't even know. But but it seems like that collector base is just like, oh, it doesn't, they aren't fatigued. They don't care that they've made 20, 30, whatever variations of series off molly well, you're also There's talking so about how many million people out there is it yeah. 12 million people in one small little city yeah at least <laughs> yeah at least and you know i don't know it's hard to know about the fatigue thing clearly pop mart believes that it's a viable strategy to essentially release i think their primary for their primary artists they do try to do about six series a year so you know, they think every two months is is good. So uh, I will say that that and I think they're making a lot of many of these series. I went to I visited two Pop Mart stores uh, on the last day I was there. One was fairly small, and the other one was sort of a larger store. But the and the larger store had a decent stock of Pucky series. 
So it's not the case that they blow out every series right when they release it. And then when the next one comes, they don't have any more of the other. That's not true at all. But I think they're selling fairly well. So I mentioned the population a little bit, just to give you an idea of how populated China is. This is a 2017 statistic. It's one point, almost 1.4 billion people in China. Yeah. Compared to the States where it's 325 million. Yeah. It's a big difference. Yes. Where, where like Hong Kong is, it's they call it uh, the Greater Bay Area, which has uh, Hong Kong and Macau and then some Shenzhen and Guangdong, some Chinese cities. That's quite a small area, maybe equivalent to like the UK or something, but even smaller. And that's 70 million people easily in that, in just in that area. You can get to almost any one of those cities in an area or in an hour transport wise, right? So. Now, Gary, I apologize. I cut you off at one point. You're going to ask Blair something about collectors. I was asking as, as a retailer. I don't know that I've ever seen Corey Corey. You don't seem Corey Corey. You know, it doesn't seem like you, you dabbled too much in the blind box field, but in your experiences, it seemed like they, do they sell really well for you as well? They do better. Uh, blind boxes is something I tend to often hold for events more than online because I, I like to have something in a, a lower price point to tempt a more casual fan, perhaps at a, at a show. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not the largest retailer, I don't get everything at the best wholesaler. I won't take always the largest quantities. So a lot of it I just buy through Hong Kong stores that I can get a slight deal at or things and take, you know, a couple cases of this, a couple cases of that to shows just to, to see how it goes, you know, and if some is left over, I maybe keep them for myself or something like that. Right. So it usually tends to go pretty well. Uh, the biggest problem between China also in the West is there's, there is a, a difference and a lag in what people like. You know, just because something is super hot in China doesn't mean it's going to work elsewhere and doesn't mean it will never work, but it might take two years to work is the other thing. You know, I find the, the Western markets a much uh, slower pace than the Asian market for styles and trends. Hmm. Is, is part of the reason you moved to Hong Kong, Blair, so that you had more accessibility to get your hands on toys or is it just a personal desire to just live there uh well it's it's really um it's mostly my wife's work actually we've she works in finance and we relocated to london for her job and then uh, our time was up in london and we had to leave so we looked at what opportunities were available and hong kong was one and uh, we both wanted to live here, and for me, it seemed like a very good opportunity, so we chose to go for it. And it's worked out very well in the toy world for me, so. Oh, cool. But you all, I mean, you are you can get along pretty well as far as signage and language barriers and all that kind of stuff? Yes, uh, Hong Kong is still, because it was a former British colony, English is still extremely common. So signage is usually in both languages everywhere. A good percentage of the population will speak or understand English. So day to day, it's not really a problem at all. Nice. Mainland China is much harder, but Hong Kong is is easy. So okay, cool. Well, before um, before we jump fully into more Korea, Korea, I do want to ask one more thing because I know we've been 
talking a lot about Popmar and the blind box side, but it did seem like there's a new thing they're delving into, or at least, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just new to me, but there was a new section at BTS. I think you filmed it, uh, Jack, called the Pop Design Center, and it was like Popmar original art, but it's larger pieces, more statue-type work versus the blind box. That's, is that a new avenue for Pop Mart? So, right. Pop Design Center, PDC, is what, what it's called. I think it's been around for a while now. And they did have a booth, actually, at Shanghai Tojo. That's the first time I actually saw a booth, a PDC booth. That was in April. They had a much larger booth, uh, much larger at, at BTS. Um, they're essentially, the way I understand it, their PDC is essentially Pop Mart's artist incubator um it, it isn't necessarily all larger pieces they were showing a lot of larger pieces um the one whose name always escapes me it's called like coco and bobo or something like that yeah it's a blind box series as well that artist uh that uh design and artists come out of pdc uh so some of the product has crossed over from you know pdc to oh. pop mart uh, and that is the goal. I also understand, uh, I have been told, but I'm not 100% on this. I believe that at least some of PDC's role, in addition to kind of being an incubator and trying to foster, you know, Chinese artists and find the next hit artist, right, for Pop Mart, is also to, they do internal design work on some of the series from other artists as well. I believe that's the case. Now, when we talk about the incubator, what kind of... Uh, that's um, a term I'm using, by the way. No, I mean, I, I, mean, I know what you're saying. And it makes sense. But what kind of... Uh, is this like a contract situation? Are they, are they taking students out of like art school and putting them into a development program? Like, What's the length of time spent in the Pop Mart, um, I guess, what you would call those the, are the all, incubator? Those are all great questions. And I have no answers for you. I haven't really talked too much about it. It was only really this show that I talked to them a little bit about it. And it's something worth following up with them on. But I, you know, I don't really know all those details. Yeah, all. I mean, what the, the so what you filmed, Jack, so what it says mm-hmm. on like the wall by that right. area, Gary, is PDC aims to cultivate more and more original art toy designers and to focus on the development and production of art toys and bring people more interesting, heartwarming and unique work. So the, the goal is, I think what, to what Jack's getting at is what, however, I guess the intentive, whether it's school or what, you know, is, is to try to just cultivate and pull in different artists, to try to see what they can make and see if they would fit into the toy scene. Yeah. Right. And that's what I'm right. trying to grasp. Is I'm trying to equate it to, Something like an Olympic athlete who's almost getting sponsorship, they still might be getting a, a small income to develop their skill and skill set in that sport, but it's probably not a full time gig for them. Yeah, I don't know. Again, though, it did sound like that one of their roles of some of the people at PDC, in addition to designing and developing their own style and their own toys, is to do um, development work for. Um, existing artists on blind box series to a certain level. But uh, again, I'm not 100% on whether how much of that they do and whether that that's just certain people at PDC. You know, I really don't know. Again, it's just all, 
you know, to fuel the content that's required. Yeah, absolutely. Machine, right. And then be less absolutely. reliant and, you know, on the puckies and Kenny Wong's too. Right. So, yeah, you know, even more greater control of everything that's that's going on there. They're basically oh, no. trying to monopolize the, the, the Chinese toy market yeah. as best they can. Yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm rewatching your walkthrough of this booth. Which maybe I shouldn't be, but I don't care. I'm doing it anyway. Mm. And, and oh my gosh, like I just, oh, they're every single thing. It's like, I like that. I like that. I want that. Ooh, what's <laughs> that? It's like, oh my gosh, like everything is just so good. And I'm curious, you know that toothy character, the dragon that you yeah. filmed at the beginning? Yes. Is that the same artist who did that super plastic janky? Is that the, is it Waddle? Or- don't. So I believe so I believe that Toothy is actually the name of the artist. I mean, yeah. that's not really their name, but their artist's name. But I don't it so I know very little about them actually. Yeah, it just confuses me so much you saying that because Bobo and Coco is mm-hmm. written on their stands, but I thought oh. that was the name of the character. Oh, oh okay. It's po- right. Okay. So it's possible that the artist's name is not Toothy. On another booth, it was like Isla or something, and that is the artist's name. So I'm not 100% sure. How do you okay. navigate all this, Blair? Right? I, you just you just uh, try and figure out as much as you can. <laughs> yeah. Uh, of course, I know uh, you know some uh, some native Chinese or Hong Kong that are willing to help and translate. We use Google Translate on our phones, which Jack can speak to an interesting story when we're <laughs> of how well that often works out oh, for us. God. Yeah, let's just so. pause everything right now. I want to hear this story. <laughs> do you or don't I you know, know I do. Please. Okay. I do yeah, too. So, we, so Blair alluded to this. One of the things about this convention center is it is kind of out of the way. So there isn't a lot of food choices um, really close by. And so the only two really food choices that seemed – at all possible for two people that don't speak any Chinese at all and actually want to eat their food is uh, were Yoshinoya and McDonald's. And so on one of the days, I think the last day we went back to Yoshinoya and on the wall, before you enter the area where they are, they have these like four combos or whatever, uh, you know, descriptions and pictures of the four things that they sell. Right. One's a chicken thing. One's like we're trying to figure out one's like a combo chicken and beef. One's a beef. Anyway, so we're trying to figure out what they were. So we, I jokingly said, oh, let's pull out Google Translate and look. And it has this feature that tries to in real time look at the video stream that you're showing it, find the Chinese characters and translate them to English. Right. And it is not very effective. Sometimes <laughs> you can kind of figure out. And we were moving over this thing. I was looking at it. And I think for the burger, didn't it say something like cat burger or something like that? Yeah, I think it was disconnected cat burger. Oh, that's right. Disconnected <laughs> cat burger. With a rock salad on With the side. With a rock salad, yeah. Are yeah. you sure it wasn't a thousand percent accurate? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. I hope not, because if that's what we had, yuck. <laughs> we ate it twice, so it, mm. we have survived. I'm yeah. surprised you didn't go to McDonald's. I've heard McDonald's in different countries are actually is actually pretty good. And they've like different menu items. Well, we had McDonald's the day before, so don't <laughs> you? We had, we had everything. I had everything twice. So you know, <laughs> yeah. if I ever go out there, I'll be eating McDonald's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. 
That, that KFC and Dunkin' Donuts, I think, will be like where I'm going every day. Uh, I had KFC at the airport. <laughs> well, I have one pressing question I need to know about before we get talking about Corey Corey. But at this new location, was the toilet paper situation any better than the Shanghai Toy Show one? I can't answer that. I realize how as freaky as this sounds, I don't know how I managed this. I don't think I used the restroom facilities a single time while I was there, which was weird because I was there for three days. You're obviously very dehydrated, Jack. <laughs> yeah, I could have yeah. been. I'd hate to be your toilet when you get back, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I used the restroom several times, but I never ventured into a stall. So in Asia, you generally always travel with uh, one of those little packs of tissues or Kleenexes because a lot of restaurants will not provide you with napkins or and then restrooms you never know so you know most people will travel with a pack of that just for safety's sake it's very common around okay. here you need to be like george Costanza of seinfeld develop an app that tells you where all the best bathrooms are all the bathrooms <laughs> that, have, that are stocked up on tissue for you yeah it might be, might be pretty light of content in this part of the world so <laughs> All right, so is there anything else that you guys probably talked about this stuff at nauseum when you were there, but is there anything that you feel that we should know about Beijing Toy Show or anything you want to share about it before we move on to talking to you about Corey Corey? Uh, gosh, I don't know. I, I mean, I think the only thing I would say is that, you know, we've sort of talked about it, is that the shows are really exciting. The boot presentation is pretty amazing overall. Uh, but also, there is a very... Seemingly to me, there is a very distinct difference between sort of what is popular now, what is really on the mind of Chinese collectors. We kind of joke that it's sort of translucent rainbow sofobi, right? But mm -hmm. they really like cute toys, and it's really hard to overstate that, I think. Um, and and it, it's just a very different sort of like a, a taste for toys than you know the western market so that's the only thing i would really say what's the male to female ratio attending hmm. it's at least one to one okay yeah if not more female than male okay one thing i know it's going through the photos yes you see a lot of the space theme stuff but i also did see a lot of stuff that's very reminiscent of urban toys a lot of stuff seemed to be related to shoe designs and having a shoe culture into the toy designs mm -hmm. there. Is that becoming more popular or is that a trend that's always been going on? I think urban has been strong in China since the designer toy scene started. Uh, I've been to all three BTS shows that have existed and I was uh, the very first one, uh, 2017, I guess it would have been, uh, I was actually quite surprised by how much urban content there was at that show. It maybe is down a little bit now as the cute trend has picked up, but I would say the urban style is probably the second most common theme in, in China. Uh, the sneaker culture, hype culture, all that stuff is very popular in China as well. Uh, you know, the, the, the level of fashion and shoes that you know a lot of these people wear is you know you'll see you know yeezys are more common than vans and stuff like that <laughs> it's just you know it's 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 pretty intense with all that stuff hmm. and jack are you bringing back any of this fashion sense that you're seeing out there 
I mean, you're, you're, you're very no. into couture and fashion and style. No, no, I'm not no. a sneakerhead at all. <laughs> all right, I think it's time we move on and talk to Blair about some Corde Corre and Toycon UK. Oh, before we do that, let's go ahead and mention some of our sponsors. So for all your designer toy needs, wants, and desires, we have three great stores for you. First up is 3D Retro. 3D Retro has a physical location out there in Burbank adjacent Southern California. So if you're in the area, be sure to check that out. Otherwise, you can visit 3DRetro.com. Then there is StrangeCatToys.com. Load up that cart and be sure to use our promo code MARSHAM at checkout and you'll receive 10% off your entire order. And lastly, there is on the East Coast in New York City, My Plastic Heart physical location. You can stop in and see the gang there and visit their store mascot, Key with a Dog. Or you can visit MyPlasticHeart.com. Use our promo code Toy fam at checkout. If you happen to live in the States and spend $75 or more, you will receive free shipping on your entire order. Otherwise, to stay on top of all the latest and greatest in designer toy news, be sure to like and follow SpankyStokes.com and TheToyChronicle.com. And I should point out, the Toy Chronicle has a sixth birthday coming up, and in preparation for that, they have completely revamped their website. So, a bunch of new features on there. There's a new shop. There's a forum. So, all those people missing the Kid Robot forums, maybe that's your new place to hang out. They have a few new tabs up top. One is trending posts to show you what's been uh, trending the last 24 hours. Hot posts for the week. The most popular posts of all time. Uh, there's a post up downvote option. I don't know what that is, but that sounds interesting. So yeah, there's they're doing a lot of the great things over at the Toy Chronicle. So be sure to check it out because they're doing it all for you. All right, let's get on to talking about you, Blair and Corey Corey. So like I said, okay. I, I discovered you for the first time, Designer Con 2017. I did run to your booth first because I was looking forward to the. Uh, popsicle monster exclusive colorway that you had yes the the rocket pop Gary, the rocket pop that's ki- it you're yes. killing me it's popsicle mon not yes. popsicle monster yes. oh <laughs> they, they just made that short it's popsicle monster they just no it. it's popsicle mon oh, i think it's popsicle, popsicle mon. mon yeah, yeah she's me. right Teresa is right yes she's don't add right. the stir don't be fancy and try to think it's like a shortened thing it's popsicle mod all right so anyways i ran there i picked that up and i picked up the red U. awesome pickups but every time i visit your booth whether that's a five points fest or a designer con almost everything on your table is just so outlandish to me stuff i've never seen before so thank you for bringing that over for us stateside collectors but what is kore kore is it are you mainly kind of like a shopper for other collectors or do you just go out to these conventions and stock up on stuff that you think collectors are going to want to buy or is it both? Uh, it's, it's a bit of everything. Uh, Corey Corey was sort of, it was originally founded. Uh, I have a, a, a business partner, Ben Hart, uh, based in London and we started Corey Corey in London with the goal of trying to make it easier for uh, UK, EU customers to get soft vinyl products in that market. Uh, The UK is quite depressed. There's really no toy stores, uh, especially not sell designer toys, anything like that. So we set off with that intent. I think it was 2014. uh, And we were sort of just doing ToyCon UK uh, to begin with. And people may not know, but Ben and I are also uh, organizers and partners in ToyCon UK as well, the event. Um, so we 
basically just kind of started out with that. Uh, we had connections to Japan through Don, and he was helping us source some product. And we started to reach out to some up and coming Hong Kong brands. And uh, then uh, as the as it progressed, we did our launched our online store and started doing a few more events in the UK. And then my move came about to Hong Kong. So then we, you know, really went for it because I was basically over here in the pulse of what's going on. And so now the goal is to bring items that are really not seen as much uh, in the West to the West. So that's why at Five Points and Decon, I try to bring things that no one else will have. Sure. You know, it may not always be a success, but... You know, I'm trying to expose that market to things that they haven't seen before. And as we know in this game, you know, seeing it in Instagram is also sometimes very different than seeing it in person, right? So, you know, getting a sense of the scale and size and, and colors. So, you know, and now I'm lucky enough that I, you know, have become friends with a lot of the Hong Kong producers and stuff. So I have good access to product here and you know with bts i go to those shows to to meet and 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 get new stuff see what's coming on what's coming out and and prepare to bring that to uh western audiences and we thank you for that and you mentioned i don't think a lot of people realize that you are one of the guys that is involved with toycon uk right no i, I wasn't uh, an original founder of uh toycon uk uh, I was uh, a collector, an attendee at the very first one, and a volunteer for the next two. Uh, and also, uh, Corey Corey, I think, was debuted with a booth at the third one. And after the third year, one of the founders uh, left, and I took uh, his place and have been uh, running with the other guys since then. Nice. I want to talk on that in a bit because i know you got some changes coming up for that one for next year but um, yes now talking about some of the stuff that you brought to five points fest and like you said you've always been able to bring kind of the stuff that i'm not that familiar with and more outlandish stuff one thing that i saw last year that i fell in love with and obviously a lot of other people did too because you sold out of what stock you did bring was those and this is where i'm going to absolutely butcher another name but like just like popsicle mom but uh, this, I want to say Kimangno, Kimangni, the little fuzzy um, peekaboo toys, monster toys. Right, the Korean, the fuzzy ones, right? Yes, it's, the fuzzy uh, ones. Her, 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 her name is Minji, is her Minji. name. Okay. Yeah, and uh, she's I from was, Korea, yes. I, I wasn't close at all. I don't know how you got from Kimangni to Minji. Yeah, uh, thinking of the Instagram handle. Yeah, that's her Instagram <laughs> handle, not really her name, so to speak, right? Okay. So yeah. Those were highly popular at Five Points Fest. I saw several people walking around with them. Yes, yes, they they entirely sold out. So it was a, a good thing. Another thing that, you know, again, maybe the people in the West have heard of them or know them, but, you know, sometimes the access is still very difficult, right? Like, she, you know, she does a lottery every so often, a few Asian shows. So, you know, I had, I think, 20 pieces of a few styles for uh, five points. So to be able to provide that direct access for people, you know, is something that's not always available, right? So, you know, and uh, fingers crossed, I'll have some more for Decon as well. Ooh. But time will tell. Get some, so. get some of the pineapples. 
The babies, the pineapple babies. Yeah. Minji's one of those people I would like to, selfishly, I would like to see mass produce so they can be a little more affordable and easy to get because her stuff sells out fast and it's also handmade. So it tends to be more expensive than I would want to spend. Yes, they, they are fairly steep, and 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 uh, her and I had some negotiations to try and get the price as uh, comfortable as possible for the audience. But um, yeah, it's still sold out. But yeah, maybe some babies for Decon would help uh, appease a I few more audience members. Love babies. So I so have a we... question for Blair. Sorry. Okay, yeah? Jack. What does Kore Kore actually mean? Uh, it's uh, Japanese for uh, want it, want it. So, oh, okay, cool. So desire oh, to, to to have right. So and we another credit to uh, to Don for helping with the naming there. So nice. You know, our original focus was was mostly on Japanese products, but as you know, sort of the Hong Kong Chinese uh, artist explosion of the last few years, we've expanded our offerings of course so it's more an asian focus and and like you say now it's even more trying to take western toys now back into asia as well just to do the reverse so back to like okay like these minji's like plush characters that you got for mm -hmm. five points or whatever so how are you coordinating those like you just you just said hey i like these and you just decided to hit up the artist and see if you could figure out a way to buy a, like a bulk order? A little bit because uh, I'm going to a lot of shows everywhere. I got to meet her at a few shows. So oh. then we have a personal relationship and then it's, you know, send a DM and ask, you know, would you be interested in, in having some stuff at some of these shows? And then, just working out the logistics of it. So shows in Hong Kong, a lot of Asian artists will come through Hong Kong, you know, once a year or twice a year, maybe even more. So, you know, I get I get a chance to to talk to a lot of these artists in person quite regularly. You know, that's why I'm trying to attend every single toy show uh, that, that I can. And there's a lot of toy shows and gathering events in Hong Kong. Yes, there are, you know, like a place like uh, Vintage Vinyl in Hong Kong, you know, which luckily to me is a 15 minute walk from my house. They almost have an event, probably have two to three events a month, you know, of solo brands at their shop, right? So I'm there every Saturday with the, the featured event, making oh, yeah. sure I'm up to date and seeing what's for sale and, you know, sometimes buying for myself or you know, a few collectors that I deal with that maybe want something specific, I, I can do my best to help source as well. You know, things don't always make it into the shop, you know, if it's a one-off or a rare item, but sometimes I can help still get it. It's just like, for those not familiar, I mean, Hong Kong is the mecca for toy enthusiasts, and it seems like on the weekly, it, seems, it does seem like there's some sort of event, convention, gallery show. So how many shows do you think you probably attend in the year? Um, <laughs> it's hard to say. I oh, probably, like, you know, maybe 30 or so at least. Okay. I thought you were going to say hundreds. <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. Cause I would say on average, it's maybe, uh, maybe not usually more than one a week, I would say. So it's, you know, and 
sometimes not not always right but you know uh, i'm in the future here so it's already friday for me so uh tomorrow saturday uh i'm going to an art gallery which has a bare brick and print release in the morning that i'm going to try and buy uh, some bare bricks for my personal collection and then vintage vinyl has an event in the afternoon so then i will progress to that uh, so, uh, toys is full time and, and life over here. So is it tricky being a retailer and a collector at the same time? Cause I imagine you want to get high off your own supply, right? So when someone emails you wanting you to pick something up at a convention, you want it as well. Is that tough to negotiate? And sometimes do you keep the product for yourself? Uh, of course, if it's something I really want, <laughs> I would probably keep it, but I would usually just, you know, at a lot of conventions, there's no chance of getting multiples really right so so if it's if i can only get one then and i want it then it would just be for me so i wouldn't i wouldn't offer it but it it really depends and and the conventions you know each convention is a little bit different so it's hard to hard to to get stuff like the chinese conventions uh, back to that are are quite difficult to buy at because the queues or the lines are crazy. Payment as a foreigner is quite a challenge as everything's pretty much cashless there now. So paying with cash is not easy uh, and you need to be Chinese to have the apps. You know, so it, it just depends. But, you know, it's, the other thing is for the shop, if you get something that there's 10 of, then it's much easier to filter one off the top and sell nine, right? So, yeah. How, well, go, go, go ahead. No, go, go. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but be, being in like a place like Hong Kong, I mean, I I know how bad I am as a collector here at stopping myself from overbuying. How do you keep yourself from not buying every single thing you come across that you like? Because I got to imagine the opportunity for you to get your hands on stuff is so much higher. Yeah, it's it's pretty much infinite, really, right? Like you can go to a toy shop every day and buy something here. It just becomes resources, really. You know, you don't you can't afford to buy everything. So you kind of have to pick and choose what you like the most and and what you want. Um, I guess a bit of a bonus being a shop is that you can you get to buy things that are not for you. So you kind of get that satisfaction of shopping, but it's not your money maybe at the end of the day. So you can sell it on, but yeah, no, the temptation is, is massive here. You just have to develop some self-control or, (laughs) you know, or, or there are times it's like, maybe I shouldn't go to the toy shop today. You know, let's just leave it. And the the other the because the other thing here is that you know it's it's a it's a competitive market in Hong Kong so some things are still not easy to buy. There's no waiting either, right? If you see something and you want it, you have to buy it then. Because if I wait till the next day and go back, there's a very strong chance it won't be there anymore. Yeah. So well, you could not live there. It's, it's, oh my god! Be all over I mean, for you. I generally have a rule that I don't pay more than retail for my stuff as well. So. There you go. I miss it at retail, then it's done. I'm on to the next. So unless it's something I really, really want. Now, of course, that's because I have better access to things. I can play that game. But, you know, it's sort of a a rule that keeps things under control a little bit. 
Well, and you've got a store in your back pocket, so you could just be like, oh, gosh, I like that buy. And then if you have buyer's regret, you'd be like, oh, I, I meant to, I was buying that for my shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, but yeah, Gary, it would... It'd be dangerous. When, when we do your when you do, we do your Marsham Toy Hour podcast performance review, we do this. We're a corporation, just like all the other big companies out there. I'm also the HR department, and I have to give Teresa and George performance reviews. And Teresa, this year for you, I would like to, you to as well work on some self control. <laughs> I've actually been really, really good since five points. Well, yeah, but that's because you got sick. You had things going on. I know it's going to ramp up it back up here. We got Designer Con coming up. As the well, HR, Teresa, it is my job to make sure that you meet your annual goals. I'm here for you. I'm going to try. I can't, See, the, the, I can't guarantee a thing at all, but I'll try. See, the retailer side, you know, I don't want you to have self-control, right? Spend, <laughs> spend, spend. So. Right? See, you were even saying that. You conflict yourself, Mr. A. <laughs> because last episode you were all, you can't stop buying. The toy economy will go down. Blah, 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 blah. Well, the Western toy economy will slope. The Eastern toy economy sounds like it's doing fantastic. But you are a large percentage of the stateside collectors, Teresa. Oh, like only like 30 so, Blair, if Teresa isn't making up the percentage of all your sales, who are you sailing to? I know it's pre- primarily the U.K. and the uh, the state side since you're doing imports, but does one do better than the other for you? Um, well, we, we do ship all over the world, so we get quite a variety now. But the, the U.S. portion is actually stronger than the U.K. portion okay. now, uh, just because the the, the UK is a very underdeveloped toy market, so there are only very few dedicated, passionate collectors there. So it, it is quite small. The US is, is something that has more growth potential, I think, for, for us as a store. And that was one of the big reasons to start doing decon in five points is to to drive that end of the market and, and get us represented there. So people not only see us at events, but will think of visiting our online store. So Blair, are you now shipping out from Hong Kong or are you still somehow coordinating shipment from the UK? We ship from both, depending on, you know, it's a it's a bit of a guessing game of where the inventory goes but when we get in some new stock uh, I generally always get it in Hong Kong because a lot of it's just local so I pick it up or have it couriered to to myself and then I will split it and personally send some to Ben in London and then we'll each have some inventory Uh, so if a UK or EU order comes in uh, Ben will ship it because then there are no customs or tax implications for those customers and then, uh, you know, like a U.S. order, uh, then either one of us can ship it. We try and divide, and then that also helps keep our prices down because, you know, we're not paying shipping on all our units to to London to then ship out again. So, no, that makes sense. You mentioned Ben. Is Ben a partner with Corey? Corey? Yes, Ben and I are uh, 50-50 uh, partners in Korikori, and we are two-thirds of ToyCon UK. So, okay. and 
and he's in London. We actually, when I moved to London, we were both uh, posters on the Kid Robot forums back in those glory days and decided to meet up for a coffee when I first moved to London and uh, hit it off, became friends, and then uh, sort of ventured into these business things. Uh, Ben's a, a very large and longtime toy collector. So, you know, he's he's well into everything. So... That's awesome. I like hearing those relationships, you know, develop from those old forums. I know, right? Yeah, I, I miss I miss some of the forums. I, I miss forum days. Maybe I'm of the age where forums were a big part of of this stuff, but I I kind of miss those days. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of sad it's gone. And I like I was kind of late to the scene, but I did join the forums and kind of used it to peruse and get into stuff. And it's sad that it's down and all that. Like that old, all those old threads are gone. Sometimes it's fun to just delve back in the history of things. Yep. It's all gone now. Speaking of history, Blair, I don't think I know. How did you get started collecting designer toys? I uh, got into toys uh, on a trip to Asia in the mid 2000s. And I saw my first uh, bear bricks in Singapore and Hong Kong. And and I I bought my first ones. And, you know, when I came back, uh, it was on the goo, you know, on the internet and Googling everything and got into Kid Robot and and made some some great relationships with that that have, have friends to this day from that forum actually that I see in person when I'm in, you know, in LA or in London. So That's awesome. So many people met through those Kid Robot forums. It's just I was never really ingrained in it as much as everyone else seems to. So I think my most of my relationships came from doing the conventions and, and stuff like that. But those Kid Robot forums were so important to the community at one point and now they're just gone it's kind of sad actually you know what gary let's make a marsham toy hour forum well we got the facebook group i mean i know it's a closed group so it's not as big as say a forum probably would be but we did that intentionally to keep the yahoos up but we kind of built our own little community on facebook it's not the most engaging group out yeah. there but it's something uh, well i'm saying let's make a public forum that's for all the yahoos too gary it <laughs> It's like we created it, just like it was called the Kid Robot Forums, but it spawned into more than just Kid Robot. We'll create the Marsham Toy Hour Forums. Everyone will flock to us. We don't have to do it. We just got to stand it up, and then we just let the people come. Gosh, you're confident. Okay, you do it. You just see it. You build it and see if people come. <laughs> as far as the uh, Facebook group that we have goes, it's, it is a private, closed group, a Facebook group. But if you answer the three questions, you pretty much get in. It's just we're trying to keep out the riffraff and the, you know, the, kind of like the non-listeners. We're trying to keep it a, a good family group there. So it's um, nowhere near what a forum really is. But we're trying to – we want to make it more community discussions and stuff like that. So maybe we'll open it up to the floor or the members to post their own discussion threads, but we'll see. It would be nice to have that to turn to for talking points on the podcast. But otherwise, if you want to join the group, just again, just answer the three questions and you're in. Easy enough. So real quick, of course, I do want to get back to the ToyCon UK thing, but I was curious if since you're, you're just more, I guess, delved into the scene Blair and you can answer this too, Jack, if you want. You're probably able to guess, get a feel for like what's up and coming. Maybe uh, artists that we aren't as familiar with yet over here in the West. Do you have a favorite up and coming, you know, Japanese or Asian artist that you feel like is worth keeping an eye on and that 
deserves more attention than maybe we're giving it right now? Um, oh, it's a tough question. Uh, you know, everything is, it, it, it really maybe gets into specific types of toys, even too, you know, whether, you know, you're into something cute or, or not so cute. Uh, of course, you know, someone like casing lung and as the L word, the Laboo you know, <laughs> it's the L word. It's sort of, I did go back and listen to the train wreck episode in my research <laughs> for this. Um, but, you know, that's something that still is developing in the West, but is like ridiculously popular in Asia and has been for years already. Um, so, you know, there is a part of it where there is just a bit of a, a lag, but um, some of it, it's a bit tough because the really big artists are kind of, I would say overshadowing a lot of the market over here now, you know, Kenny and casing, you know, are such huge juggernauts in Asia that they, they're impacting the market. So it's a bit harder to crack into the scene and somewhere, especially like in China, they are less interested in newer stuff and, and just following those, those current trends. So to, to, to be uh, blunt, I really don't have an answer for you right now. Is there no, any? Go ahead, Gary. Is there any Western artist that is really taking a hold of the Asia market out there? Jason Freeney seems like he's doing extremely well in Asia. Is that uh, the yeah. case in China, or is, is there any other cases? Uh, Jason Freeney is pretty strong. Obviously, uh, James Groman seems okay with his uh, Instinct Toy products. What about Course, course Toy? Really course, yeah. Oh. They're, good. they're they're quite into Asia, so you know they kind of uh, straddle both regions. I think very well, so you know they're always very popular in China at the Chinese shows. But in general, I think it was last time you were on Jack when you went to STS, you were saying that the Western designs and toys just don't seem to sell as well in Asia as the Asia toys here in the stateside. There's like there is a contrast there. I, I think that's true. Um, you know, that's just based on so far what we've seen. And I think it's really a function not of where they're from, but sort of just the content, right? I mean, I think if American artists really focused on making really cute, adorable figures and pushing them in China, they would probably do fine, I would think. Yeah. And, and there's yeah. just not there's just not as much volume coming out of the Western artists as, as That's true. Asian artists either. So it just, you know, they just don't have as much to offer over here. True. And especially, you know, in when, when you're seeing, you know, six blind box series a year and, you know, the volume is, is crazy. Even some of the minifigures, soft final minifigures, you know, I think it was the Minion Molly from STS. You know, they released 4,000 units over the weekend of that, right? So, like, the volume is just staggering, right? So, yeah. And then yeah. you're you're over there doing runs of 50, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say, Teresa? But no, seriously, <laughs> Pop Mart is such – the number of SKUs they're putting out in the monthly is – it's crazy. Oh. Especially if these it's are just designer insane. toys. <laughs> yeah. I feel like an old man. I turn around and it's like, I'm always talking, I talk a lot about toys with Vincent from My Plastic Heart. I'm like, wow, there's another Seder Rory series. He's like, yeah, I know. Or there's another Pucky series. It's like, wait, what? 
Well, and that's just the names, right, that we've seen them kind of bubble up to the top. There's all sorts of layers, and there's other series that I'm like, I've never seen that. What artist is that? Where did that come from? And it's just that's certainly true. Yes, I think I think the positive thing about the whole West versus East thing is that you know Pop Mart is pulling in different artists, and some of the artists they're starting to pull in are some of the artists from the West. And when we've seen them pull in with Course Toys, I'm trying to think if there's any others, but I think there's promise there in the in the sense that pop mart might be able to help bridge that gap and some of the artists over here that we love and kind of you know are familiar with it's very possible that pop mart could collaborate with. i mean they just collaborated with momiji which is based out of the uk and yeah. it's not something that yeah. they have been super familiar over there so they're starting to really kind of be that bridge they are. They're definitely very interested in expanding their reach to other markets, including the you know North American market. So, want to make any predictions? Could you imagine like, this former question? I know this is me a question. You guys don't want to answer. You're gonna to want to dance and and pussyfoot around it. But I would like an answer from each of you. Uh, when you heard Momiji was joining Popmart, that seemed like the perfect pairing, right? So any other UK or stateside artists that you think would be great collaborations for Popmart? Oh, my gosh. Thanks a lot. And you're forcing an answer, right? Yeah. I mean, you okay. have to think. I, I have one, I think. That's, I think, um, I think. Dolly Oblong could work quite well. Oh, okay. That's a really good answer. That's a really good answer. There you go. Man. Uh, Oh, my God. I'm dying right now. Could you imagine? (laughs) Jack, you're just going to piggyback on that one, aren't you? Yeah, well, uh, (laughs) I was thinking uh, that's a really good answer. I was thinking maybe like Andrea Kang. It, It needs to be someone. It needs to be someone that really delves into cute, I would say. I mean, it's potentially possible that Popmart, so one of the things that I know that I've talked to them about is when they look to think about the US market, there is a little bit of recognition that, you know, it isn't all the same. Maybe cute isn't quite the the sure win that it is in China. It isn't that way necessarily in the United States. But I think that, that when push comes to shove, at least for the immediate future, they're going to go with what they know, right? And what they know is cute. So I'm thinking someone along those lines. Okay. Uh, there's probably other examples as well. It's a little hard for me because unlike Teresa, I don't live on a steady diet of super cute. So. <laughs> well, let's get an answer from Teresa. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be put That's on right. the spot. Everyone, everyone. You're the queen of cute. The two guys answered, <gasps> this is not their specialty, and they gave me an answer. I would like an well, answer you, from you. You know that you know my brain default, but I'm trying not to say that because they kind of have their default. own thing going on. You know, the R word. You know, obviously my brain goes, oh, what, what, you know, Bindlewood, Chris and Amanda fit well. Oh, okay. You know, okay. and they have cute. And I could see, yes, maybe, but they have their kind of own thing going on. Um, I'm looking at, I'm looking at my shelves, trying to get, it's, I mean, I have names that pop in my brain, but I'm trying to think cute. That is, I 
I mean, Gary, I could throw your name out there. But actually, I was thinking, give Teresa a little bit more time. I was thinking that uh, when we were talking about Western artists and cute, I was thinking that, you know, the small whooper loopers, you know, might do decently well over there. I mean, you never know until you try. But I, I actually have said that I feel like like chibi versions of all of Gary's characters in the Blind Box series like a mini Hermes, mini Whooper, Sylvan, etc. like little chibi-fied. And then you could sit and like do like a base series. And then you could do like food themed on and all that. It totally work. For It'd the record, awesome. I did not pay anyone to bring up my name. This was brought up <laughs> sure. solely yet. by them. Not yet. I'll send you an invoice. <laughs> I would love to see. I don't know if, if it's Pop Mart, but I think I would love to see a Sad Salesman miniseries. Or sixty-four, oh. or entirely sixty-four uh, colors mm-hmm. designed series. Yes. Just, I don't know. There's there's a lot of people, but those are those are a couple that pop into my head. I was just yeah. say I feel like I feel like you threw me in the headlights, and I'm I'm. Yeah, I, I still didn't get a real answer from you. I know because it's hard. Because it's, well, and part of what's hard is that a lot of what I collect, and a lot of what I've collected as of late other than Chris Reiniak and Amanda, there's not a ton of Western-based artist work that I get really into, which is kind of intriguing the more I think about it. But <laughs> I guess that time is a buzzer. Time's up. Honestly, we're, we are running against the time, and Teresa, I don't think, we'll get back to you on that for another think on it, and then we'll get back to you. So, Blair, I do, before we have, what, maybe 10 minutes left, I want to talk to you about ToyCon UK before we wrap this up. So, I did hear a rumor that you guys are moving or growing or expanding. What can you tell us about that? Yes, we're uh, going to move venues for the first time in six years to a new location. We've kind of been, for the last few years, wanting to move Uh, We've been, you know, quite full on space uh, and some people don't like the venue that much. It's it's a, you know, venues in London are very difficult and extremely expensive. So, you know, the choice is is limited. But the existing venue also gave us a push because they doubled our rate from last year to what it would be for 2020. So for that amount of money, uh, we decided to see uh, what else was out there and if we could do any better. And we think we have. So uh, this is being mentioned for the first time and there will be uh, corresponding information up on the ToyCon website when this airs. But the new venue will be a convention room in the Novotel West London Hotel which is just a very short walk from Hammersmith tube station. So we are transitioning from East London to West London for 2020. And so there is more space. So we're going to, we don't have the exact layout worked out yet, but we will be uh, adding some more booths and tables than we have in previous years. So we should be able to get more great stuff in for 2020. That sounds awesome. And is it still going to be a two-day event? Yes, it will be a two-day event, and the dates are March 14th and 15th, 2020. We usually were in April, but we're trying to distance ourselves 
a little bit from STS just to give people like myself and the manufacturers a little less pressure of having so many shows uh, back to back. It's not necessarily for the fans, but the producers and, and the exhibitors, you know, the grind of the global toy scene and all the shows around the world becomes a factor to have new product for all these shows, right? So we're trying to put a little bit of time between some of these shows. This is great news. I've never been, but I've always heard great things about ToyCon UK. I don't know the relationship scope of, of things, but going from the east to the west, it, it seems like that's more advantageous for you guys and the and the attendees and the artists in the area. Yes, it's it's a, definitely a smaller scale show uh, for for you know I guess one of the global kind of shows. Uh, I would equate it maybe a little bit like five points, but still not quite as many vendors and and less of the extra activities, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the outdoor kind of stuff. Uh, but that kind of vibe as five points. You know, there are some small shows uh, in the UK as well. Uh, but really, it's the biggest in the UK and maybe even in Europe of a dedicated toy show. So the audience is fairly pent up. So by the time the show rolls around, they are ready and willing to buy toys. So it usually works out to be quite good for everyone. And we're getting more, you know, foreign interest and and then still a lot of uh, local talent and, and handmade stuff still. So you know, you can find everything from, you know, rare Japanese safubi to, uh, you know, a custom resin piece from a local artist. And as far as exhibitors go, are you guys, I mean, March is still pretty far away. Are you set up right now to to take orders for potential exhibitors? Um, we're going to provide uh, the basic details on the website of what's going to be involved for the exhibitors probably when this airs. That should be available, okay. and we'll set a date on that information of when applications will open. It will probably be sometime in September, I think. And what, what website should they be going to? It's uh, toyconuk.com. Nice. Whatever happened last year, we were talking about how great the, the Tomodachi Island poster was. Was that only for promotional in the subways and in the area, or did that ever become open to the public to purchase? We did produce some prints of it, but it's never been um, made available online. So it was really only at the event okay. that you could buy them. So Those are great. You should make those available because I would love to have one of those. I mean, I haven't yeah. been able to attend, but I would love to have one of those framed up in my house and just start theming my, my art studio and some of the, the poster decor and stuff that is made for these events. Yeah, yeah, no, we and we, we plan to do something for 2020. We're on the fence of whether it's going to make it in the tube stations again because that is a considerable amount of money. Mm-hmm. And with our rising rental costs, we may have to cut some corners for 2020. So, you know, the, the advertisement in the tube station may not make it, but we're still going to make a poster uh, to have at the event and display and maybe make a few more prints again. So oh, nice. Well, thanks for giving us the exclusive on that. Yeah, no problem. So should we end with the bang or is there anything else we should talk about? Is there anything with Corey Corey that maybe we haven't brought up that you would like to mention? I don't think so. Obviously, 
we I am booked and will return to DesignerCon in November Sweet. this year. So I am working on product to bring. Uh, one of my challenges is more people from Hong Kong seem to go themselves every yes. year. So I have to work that much harder to find something new and different to bring. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's part of the challenge. So and I think that's it. I, I would like to also mention, uh, because I'm in a lot of things, I'm also uh, uh, have a new toy out there under the handle of Kaiju Barbecue. Uh, which is uh, me and a, another partner, John, based in California, that we've uh, translated one of uh, Miles' uh, Yakimon ceramic sculptures into a quite large vinyl piece. So we've debuted it at five points. Um, we might have some new version for Decon as well. And it's uh, like 11 inches tall, so it's not for the faint of heart. So. You're making such large toys for all the traveling you do. That can't be easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. You should it, be making so. the three-inch size stuff. Fit a hundred in that yeah. suitcase of yours. Yeah, well, that's why I travel with four suitcases many times. So, <laughs> if we wanted you to specifically bring stuff, can our listeners reach out and say, "Hey, we would love for you to bring this over for Designer Con or Five Points"? Would that would that help you at all, or would of you? Of course, prefer I to- would. I would be more than happy to hear what what people are after because okay. uh, you know the, you always have a little bit of personal bias so you know sometimes you know i may overlook something because it's not as appealing to me but if there's demand for it of course i'd, I'd love to do it and you know you never know there's chance of exclusives or something different as well so so yeah nice and, and not just for the shows even even if you're looking for to add to the shop as well so Good, because I'm always struggling to find out how I get some of this stuff. So I'll, I'll just reach out to you personally. Of course. Okay. <laughs> See, I'm taking advantage. Yeah, y- you are. <laughs> it sounds. This sounds bad, though, in a way. The way you say it. Don't take advantage <laughs> of Blair. And I just want to let you know, I'm first priority, Blair. Teresa, if she ever contacts you, and if we ever have competing orders. I right. come. I come first. Oh, you, you, Gary says that, but um, shotgun, <laughs> shotgun. I call. No, shot- uh, it's all about show me where the money is, and you know that I'll put money down. Gary is wishy washy. <laughs> that so is. That is. I so. come first. <laughs> yeah, I'll run a credit report first. So. Well, I I do have great credit. It's just if you talk to any retailer out there, they will tell you that Teresa follow through is the most. Gary likes to say he's gonna get stuff, but when I say <laughs> I'm gonna get it, I I want to get it. I'm gonna get it. Gary's just like, oh, I like it, but he's you don't you don't not, you don't commit. It's true. You gotta commit. Gary. It's true. But I gotta say, I'm still hung up on your question. I've been tra- of who would make a good. Who from the West would fit into Popmart? I'm going to have to, I'm like seriously racking my brain. I'm going to, I feel like I got to go research it and bring it back to another episode. Cause the only thing that popped in my head was Treason, but that's not really a Western artist. No. no. Although, but, you know, this isn't going to go on the episode, right? But. <laughs> And don't leave that in the episode. Edit all the crap out. If we have a strange edit, listeners, it's because we went into this deep after-hours talk that we can't release to the the general public. So if there's a weird segue and it just sounds like I cut something out, it's because I did. 
Well, well, instead we just segue in and I say, good talk, everyone. Let's end this shiz. And you just cut that. There you go. <laughs> Yay. That's such a smooth transition. Again, thanks very much, Blair, for joining. Blair of Corey Corey, Jack of Vinyl Pulse. So why don't each of you take a brief moment and let our listeners know where they can find you and all your goods and all that. Blair, go first. Okay. Uh, you can find uh, Corey Corey at uh, Corey Corey UK on Instagram. So K-O-R-E-K-O-R-E-U-K. And our website is ko-re-ko-re.com and uh, toyconuk.com and toyconuk Instagram as well. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for joining. And Jack? Yeah, you can find Vinyl Pulse at the blog at vinylpulse.com and we will soon have a brand new mobile responsive WordPress powered site maybe in two weeks. So that's really exciting for me. Um, you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Vinyl Pulse and YouTube at Vinyl Pulse. And we're starting to do more and more unboxing videos. So, nice. um, yeah, competing with like 10 year olds. So that'll be fun. <laughs> anyway, that sounds cool. I, gee, I want to talk about that. All right, Teresa, what about you? Well, first, real quick, Jack, I got to ask because my plastic heart broke my heart a little bit when they relaunched their website because all of the old, like they must've had like 10 years worth of toy history in their database. I could search for a toy and find the original retail price by finding like an old page from their site. Oh, so right. please As tell like me. A collector resource. Right. So I think of vinyl pools is the same way. Like I can go back and kind of like look through toy history by going back in like old dates in your blog. Please tell me yeah. you're not going to start fresh. Oh, it's all gone. <laughs> no, no, no. It'll all be, it'll all be there. Yes. It will all be there. Okay. And it's all going to be searchable. Like I can now where I can like hack the URL and type in a new date and magically go there. Uh, I think you can still do the date hack and the search engine is much better. And all the old posts are the same as a new post in terms of their searchability. Whew. Okay. I can, yeah, I can yeah. sleep well tonight. Okay, good. So, okay, back to your original question, Gary. What did you ask me? Where can people find the you if they want to look Oh, yeah, 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 the whole ending thing. Yeah, uh, find me on Instagram, tmhawk24. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the whole ending thing. So I guess I'm Gary Ham. <laughs> you can find me at Gary Ham on Instagram or superham.com. This has been the Marsham Toy Hour. We're going to start trying to do this every single week, not because we have to. Because we want to. So until our next transmission, we're signing off. Bye. Bye.